These pretzels are making me thirsty. You don't like the Drake. I hate the Drake. I love the Drake. How could you not like the Drake? Who's the Drake? Who's the Drake? The Drake is good. These pretzels are making me thirsty. You like the Drake? I love the Drake. These pretzels are making me thirsty. What about the Drake? Screw the Drake. I love the Drake. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast will be looking at two eras of Tim Drake. One will be the classic 90s, 2000 Tim Drake, Robin, and Red Robin series, while the second will be taking a look at Tim Drake and the current era of DC Comics, Rebirth, and beyond. Most notably, Detective Comics or whatever books Tim appears in that month. So sit back, relax, and find out why everyone loves the Drake. Good for them. Love the Drake. Got to love the Drake. I'm impressed. What can I say? I'm irresistible. These pretzels are making me thirsty. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This is episode 46. And before uh, this episode starts, a little peek behind the curtain. This was recorded, um, man, I believe it was the either latter part of September or the early, early part uh, of October. It's been uh, that long. Uh, this was supposed to come out um, a few weeks back, but things got a little crazy with Halloween, so um, I kind of missed the uh, deadline for that one, so I ended up saving this for uh, the November uh, release of the podcast. So now you have something to listen to uh, in no in November now. Can you believe it? We're in November. Uh, the year is right around the corner from ending, so... Uh, We've probably got a couple more episodes left in uh, 2016, and I would like to do a end of the year uh, recap and just kind of do some of our favorite things, uh, Robin slash Batman related for the year. And the other reason why I'm doing this little insert in here, at the time that I'm recording this, it is uh, Tuesday at 8.45 p.m., uh, November 1st, 2016. It is Terrence's birthday today that, uh, as I'm recording and editing this, so uh, Wednesday the podcast will go up tomorrow as soon as I get done doing this little segment, so hopefully everything goes according to plan, but I just wanted to uh, wish Terrence a a birthday uh, from me and for everything that he has done uh, for this podcast. Um, He graciously came on. Uh, just after I'd done like the first run of the first uh, few five or six episodes came on as a quote unquote guest and, uh, decided that he would uh, stick around and we've been doing this almost two years now. So, um, a big thank you to Terrence. Um, it sounds cheesy and corny to say, Oh, I couldn't do this without you, but it makes the show so much better rather than just hearing me talk to myself kind of like I'm doing right now. So, uh, Terrence's name has gone onto my bucket list. Uh, this is an individual, uh, that I would uh, like to get a chance to shake his hand one day. Uh, we spend time emailing and texting back and forth and commenting on Facebook. And it's so cool to be in the digital age that you can have conversations and can strike up a really cool friendship with somebody that you've never met before. And I feel like, um, I know the guy, but, uh, 
I just want to say a big thank you to Terrence and hopefully your birthday uh, was very good. And I really appreciate you brother for everything that you do for the podcast. So this one's for you, Terrence. And now we will get back into the episode. Thanks buddy. What is the point of all those push-ups if you can't even lift a bloody log? Hello everyone. Welcome to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast is brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. This podcast is also a proud member of the Batman Podcast Network at BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. It's a sister site to Batman on Film. Uh, the great guys over there have added us to their roster, so definitely check out Batman on Film and see what other podcasts are available at Batman Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Myers. This is episode 46, and you can get a hold of us in a couple different ways. You can get a hold of us at facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. We are also on Twitter at ELTD Podcast. The email for the show, if you'd like to send us an email, we'll read it on the air as is at Robin ELTD Podcast at yahoo.com. And our newest endeavor is over at YouTube. And uh, Terrence is putting up some really cool content. You can go check that out at YouTube. And in the search engine, you can type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Podcast. Uh, Terrence, how are you doing today, sir? It's been going great. I hope your October has been going well. We're like, what, three weeks into October now, and it's we've been so long since we spoke to each other, but yeah, everything's great. Yeah, it's kind of starting to feel like that uh, fall season. I've been saying for a while, I'm ready to just wear like jeans and a nice hoodie or a, uh, a long sleeve shirt and go run outside and... Um, I know probably as soon as the temperature drops, I'll be like, oh, I'm ready for shorts and T-shirt again, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah. such as uh, winter. Um, Ryan is back with us again. Thanks for joining with us uh, on Everyone Loves a Drake again, sir. Yeah, thanks. Uh, and since it is in the middle of October, I'm uh, drinking and eating everything related to pumpkin spice. <laughs> Uh, if your wife is anything like mine, if it has pumpkin in the title, I think she has bought it recently. Uh, that's spark- me. That's that's me. More, that's me more than my wife for sure. <laughs> yeah, we were going through like Bath and Body. She's like, "Ooh, the pumpkin scents are out." So we've got every soap, and I'm like, "What's this one smell like?" I'm like, oh, "I don't care. It's pumpkin." But using the soap and every morning, you're like, "I do like the way that smells." I mean, where's the motor oil at? <laughs> Uh, we're back, uh, on the episode again, all of us, and, uh, we can now... Hey, Rob. Yes. Oh, sorry. I had a question for you before we started talking about that. How was your, uh, Star Wars day, uh, or Star Wars midnight shopping extravaganza? Because it, it seemed like from your Facebook Force post, you, you had, uh, a little bit of an issue. Yeah, much like I scored at Batman Day and got the cool two Batman posters, um, I did not get my... Uh, I think it's the Havoc tank or the the, the tanker trooper of a six inch Black Series figure, because uh, it was only six per store and I was uh, eighth in line. So I thought, well, I'm not going to get the Toys R Us exclusive. It looked cool, but I thought, well, if it's anything like the Snow Trooper, um, those are all over Toys R Us. So I thought, ah, when they get another case, I'll get it in. But I thought, well, at least I can get you know one of the Death Troopers or get a couple of those, maybe just do a little army build on my desk so like i said i was ninth in line i went through there were three guys that must have been friends or hanging out together they wiped the entire peg so i drove 45 minutes to my closest toys r us at you know 11 o'clock at night stood in line for a little under an hour to turn around and go i didn't get a darn thing 
So one of the guys is like, uh-huh. you can get a snow trooper. I'm like, from The Force Awakens, which I already have three of, I drove 45 <laughs> minutes here to turn around and get nothing. Now, I didn't have, didn't get nothing, which I thought about sending you this, Terrence. Uh, they had two T-shirts. Uh, maybe one of your daughters might like it, or maybe even you. Um, it is a Rogue One T-shirt. The, only, the sizes that they had were small and large. Um, it is a Toys R Us exclusive vinyl pop Rogue One T-shirt. So it has... Uh, three of the characters from Star Wars Rogue One in their vinyl pop figures that will be coming out soon. So it's a t-shirt. I'm like, I really can't wear a large. I thought, who do I know? thought, you guys collect pops, so uh, maybe one of your daughters might like a, a free shirt that's just going to set here. But I did get a Rogue One poster that's exclusive to Toys R Us. So what I decided to do, since I was already at another um, city, instead of staying in my own, I should have just done that. But I drove across town to the Walmart there got into the Walmart, they had nothing set up. And I was like, really? So I found, you know, somebody walking around and asked them about the Star Wars uh, Force Friday, and he looked at me like I had two heads. I'm like, well, we do have some Star Wars stuff in the back. And behind me in the parking lot were the guys from Toys R Us. So they got all the, not only just me, but the other, like, six or seven people behind me, they didn't get anything. So I told the store manager, I said, hey, just so you know, there's a couple guys that cleaned house at uh, Toys R Us down the road. I don't know if they're probably scalpers and they're going to put them on eBay and all that type of stuff. And the store manager was like, "Uh, yeah, we're not doing that. I said, I only want two. So we went down the paper uh, paper products aisle, like the toilet paper and the uh, napkins and all that type of stuff. They wheeled out. Uh, the product right there, open it with a box knife. He's like, take whatever you want. We're putting the rest back till those guys leave. <laughs> oh, wow. So, cool. so I got my two uh, that I wanted to end up picking up um, a couple other exclusives. So I got some cool stuff, but uh, long story of a short, I should have just drove 10 minutes to my Walmart and <laughs> not worried about Toys R Us. So I drove all the way to another city that I didn't need to. Because all I walked out with was a T-shirt and <laughs> a poster that I probably could have got today at Toys R Us because they had a lot of them. So, you know, speaking of toys, I am still looking for the that second wave of Suicide Squad figures to complete. I still can't make a Killer Croc yet. <laughs> I'm I'm close. I I would like to get Katana. Yet I'm kind of being I'm cherry picking um, on that wave. The wave I'm trying to complete right now is the uh, Doomsday wave. Uh, with Supergirl with and Supergirl. Lex Luthor. Yeah, that's the only one I don't have yet is Supergirl. Um, uh, Doomsday can uh, stand up, but he can't punch with his left arm because I don't have it. <laughs> but uh, I, I've been liking what Mattel's been doing. The Suicide Squad figures look are really pretty cool. Um, it's been a, a fun little wave to, to track down. But I, I would think before too long we'll see um, the rest of the uh, uh, Suicide Squad figures. So that's cool that you're uh, collecting those too. Yeah. Uh, did you go out at all, Terrence, for uh, Star Wars at all? No, we were really super busy, and I just wasn't able to get, do a midnight thing this year. And there wasn't anything specifically that I really kind of was hoping to get. Uh, we did go out this morning. This is uh, I, we were joking about it being the middle of October because we we recorded in the two podcasts. <laughs> yeah, right. So it's it's actually uh, Saturday, October first. So we went out this morning, and uh, I've said on other podcasts, my wife collects Hallmark ornaments. Oh, yeah. So this was – they had a um, – they have a couple of these throughout the year, but they'll have special premiere days where they release the ornaments. So um, 
we went and what was being released today was a, a tree topper that's uh, shaped like the Death Star oh, and wow. plays um, different. It plays the Imperial March and it plays the main theme to, to the original Star Wars. So I was getting that for my tree and um, I'll have to post that on YouTube and stuff. And when I get the my tree set up, because Ryan, you don't know this. Uh, Rob knows this. Uh, <laughs> we have three Christmas trees in my house. Yeah. Oh, nice. For Christmas. So my wife's got hers with all her like collectible Hallmark ornaments from like 20 years. And then mine, she calls the nerd tree. So I have my <laughs> own tree that has all my Batman and Star Wars and Star Trek and, you know, Lord yeah. of the Rings and all that stuff. And then the kids have their own one, which is mostly Disney stuff, but is all like what whatever the kids are into. Um, so uh, that that is going to be my tree topper now, the Death Star. And the uh, Hallmark store that we went to, they, it was pretty cool. They had like all um, – they do. They give out like snacks and drinks and stuff for it, and all of it was Star Wars themed. So they had made like these like small blue milk. Yeah, they didn't have blue milk. Oh. They had what they they had a Yoda soda, which was uh, <laughs> I'm not, not really even sure in it, the but, movie. <laughs> yeah, but it had a lot of sugar and it was good. Uh, they had, they made like s'mores, but they had made like with like chocolate um, covered I guess graham crackers with a marshmallow in the middle with two graham crackers and they look like tie fighters and so they had like those type yeah and they just like a lot of snacks like there's like princess leia potato potato chips and stuff so <laughs> I, I yeah princess lays i think they called it or something which i could have oh, like I get it. yeah and i had like, i was thinking of all kinds of you know things you could turn around on that phrase but um han they had rollos and they they called them like han was Han Solo's or Han Rolos, yeah. <laughs> so um, we, we did that this morning, and then we headed over to Target after, and um, I checked out what some of the stuff they had, and I got the Funko Pop that was like the Target exclusive. Mm. Which I don't know how to say her name. Is it Jane Urso or Jan Urso? I, or? I think it's Jin. Cause Jin, I'm Jin is it pronounced Jin. Jin? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So uh, and they had a bunch of them. They had like 12 of them, so it wasn't – and they still have got the exclusive Suicide Squad ones there and stuff, so – I don't know how collectible it'll be, but like when we went last year for the Force Awakens, the Funko Pops, people just cleared those out. Like the first few people in line just got all of them. But then in a week or two, they had plenty in the store and they've had them ever since. So, you know, I I don't know those things that those guys were trying to clear out for you at Toys R Us. If you go back in six weeks, they might have more of them. So I I think that's what's going to be because the uh, Snow Trooper. Uh, with the yellow like shoulder pad, that was the the exclusive last time. And I can walk into a Toys R Us and find like nine on the peg at any given time. And yeah, they were really hard to come by at first. So it's going to be the same thing with Rogue One. Um, it, as much as I felt like we didn't know, not to turn this into a Star Wars podcast real quick, but as much as I felt like I didn't know about um, the Force Awakens characters, like, well, who who's Finn and who's this Rey and who's this Kylo? You know, I feel like I know less about Rogue One. Um, I got the uh, Kmart exclusive uh, Sergeant Jin or so, where she's on um, Edu E A D U is the probably the planet that this figure is probably based off on. It's like I I have no idea what that you know what this is. I it's kind of funny. You would think that with this movie, it's right in our wheelhouse. It's right before. A New Hope, and we should know this universe, and I feel like I know less about this, and I knew more about The Force Awakens. I don't know if I'm the only one uh, that feels that way, but I think that's a good thing, that I don't I don't know as much as I think I probably should. So, No, I agree. I'm the same way. So I, I'm sure it'll be like after the movie comes out, we'll see 
you know, pop figures or posters or characters and go, oh, that's who that guy is. Oh, yeah, I like that character. So that's going to be fun that we'll be able to say that we're going to go see another Star Wars movie in, you know, just a few months. It's kind of kind of odd to be able to say that. And then a year from then, we'll see another Star Wars movie. Yeah, it's awesome time to be alive. Yeah, definitely. Well, Poor Tim Drake, he, he's going to miss the Star Wars movie. <laughs> I, who knows? Maybe in his little cell that they, you know, they have a TV. Maybe he's got a weight room in there. Like, maybe it's not so much as a prison as it's more... He just has to wait until uh, he comes back. Oh. Yeah, he's like... It's like head. the... I was oh. going to say, it's like the TV that Bruce Wayne had in The Dark Knight Rises in the prison with oh, Bane. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he can see it like through barbed wire. <laughs> yeah. Either that or when Tim gets out, he's like, my DVR was full before I got captured. It is so full now. I'm never going to get caught <laughs> yeah. up. Like, Tim, Netflix isn't around anymore. That was so 2016. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's not 2016 right now. We're going to go back to the 90s, and it may be something that we're going to stay in for a while here. We're still figuring uh, that out on the show. Uh, but luckily, we know uh, Tim's course path through the Robin series. We're going to finish up the first arc. And it's kind of fitting. We finished up the Detective Comics a few weeks ago, uh, the first arc in Rebirth. And now we're finishing up the first arc in the classic... Uh, 90s 2000 Robin series of Tim's first solo adventure in his own proper uh, ongoing series. So today we're taking a look at issues four and five that wrap up the first entire arc. And my trade paperback is flying solo. I say, I think that's what the um, trade paperback um, or the whole arc is kind of considered. So I don't have my single issues out. So I'll be kind of relying on you guys if there was something I <laughs> missed in the single issues. Um, and real quick, I'm going to do a quick edit here. Are we going to do the letters again? I know I had asked you, Ryan, were you prepared to do that? Yeah. or okay. Yeah, I've got the issues, and I've picked a few out, too. Yeah. All right, cool. So that's uh, fun to be able to uh, go through this. And uh, this was a really cool time, uh, just being a Tim Drake fan, to know that I'm in my favorite character. has got his own ongoing book. And uh, was kind of curious how this first uh, story was going to wrap up. And... Uh, these are two of my favorite issues out of this first run, and I want to say it was uh, you, Ryan, that really liked this uh, issue as well. Maybe it was Terrence said that has uh, a really cool uh, cover. I'm kind of losing my uh, marbles <laughs> right here on the podcast. <laughs> Maybe something. No, I have mentioned I have mentioned issue four before, and this is the one I've talked about before. This is the uh, most of this these story the story and these issues I did not experience when they first came out because I was really young but uh, I actually did get issue four uh, when it came out I think it uh, it must have come out around Easter because I I, I, and I usually didn't get like Easter baskets full of you know toys and candy and stuff but one year I did and for whatever reason my mom uh, the, the one thing I remember about that Easter basket is it had all this chocolate and candy and eggs and stuff, but it had a comic book in it, and the comic book was Robin number four. So that's so I I remember that issue uh, uh, reading it then. I remember the cover with Robin and Spoiler. I didn't know who Spoiler was. I'm like, who is this person? Is she a bad guy? I don't I don't know. Uh, and all I remember is just getting to the end of the issue and being super worried uh, about Tim Drake and not knowing what was going to happen. And I didn't read the figure out what happened until years later. <laughs> And isn't it kind of fitting the last podcast we were on that Tim was in a small confined room and this issue ends with Tim being in a small confined space? Um, 
I don't know, DC must have been figuring out, okay, when are the guys on Everybody Loved the Drake are going to cover this so we can tie <laughs> yeah. everything all together for them? Um, I know the only possible explanation. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> we should have been farther ahead than they went and got rid of Tim. Um, uh, Terrence, I know you and I were picking this up uh, when it came out. Was this something that was a weekly or monthly pilgrimage from you that you were picking it up, or were you like, where were you at in your comic picking up? Was it you just picked him up when you had the chance, or was this more like, okay, this month I pick up this book, I pick up this book? Um, how did th- where did this fall in line for a poll list if you had one back then? Yeah, I was in college, and um, I was definitely there was a couple different comic book stores that. I, I went to at that time, so I'm not sure what, because like some of them went out of business and they, they didn't last very long. But um, I'm not sure which one exactly I was, but I definitely was like on their monthly subscription and they would pull probably about <clears throat> 10 or 15 titles, maybe 20 uh, a month for me. And then I'd get a discount for buying them with their subscription. Uh, I usually would only use the stores that gave free subscriptions because some would like want to charge you. To I, I, to um yeah have have them pull the books for you and some I would annoy me because they'd be shady because they would like not have certain books or books that like they'd be like oh we weren't able to get it for you I'm like well then why is it up on your wall there for fifteen dollars you know and yeah that was a different one you know so usually I'd find a place that I kind of liked and they were pretty reputable and they got the books for me timely and they didn't you know uh, try to, you know, screw me over on a book, you know, being worth more and hiding it. And then they'd go out of business in six weeks or, or six months. And then I'd find another place. So I'm not sure which place I was going to, but I was definitely picking up, um, some books. And this was like high on my list of books that I, I was reading each month and really liked and had the extra time where I could read books, you know, two, three, four, even five times a month. Yeah, I was I was in the same uh, boat. I was at one of my first uh, jobs, you know, shortly after being out of high school, and uh, this was something. I think I was on probably about the same amount of books. I think my most was probably like thirteen books, thirteen, fourteen books. I think at one time, uh, I've told this story before uh, that it was like a mom and pops, you know, romance novel. I should say mom and pops, more like mom and sister. Uh, romance novel and the comics were in the back but something that i always liked that they did they bagged and boarded all your comics if you were uh if you had a pull list if you were just buying them off the wall you could you could buy a book you could buy bags and boards but if you took the time to do the pull list they didn't charge you for it and uh she made a point to bag and board your books for you regardless how many you had or if they ran out she was like oh i just ordered you a whole sleeve of bags and boards that you would get that on your pile, a whole set, like a hundred bags, a hundred boards. And then you go pick up your next set of books and those are bagged to board. So those bags and boards lasted me forever because that's where I was getting books and they were always bagged and boarded, uh, except for them, you know, one or two times maybe that you didn't get it. And she did that for everybody. Anytime that she was out of bag and boards, if they had, you know, 15 people with pull lists, 15 people got 100 bags, 100 boards. So, uh, sweet That's old lady. Crazy. That's awesome. Yeah. That's really nice. So, uh, as much as I might complain that I didn't have a real comic book shop, that was a great place to get comics for a very a very long time that, uh, like three years ago now, they uh, officially closed their doors. So, uh, But uh, back to the 90s, we are finishing up the story here. Uh, the first... Uh, 
issue we're looking at is Robin 4. Uh, came out with a cover date of March 1994 with an on-street sale date of February 1st, 1994. Cover price is a whopping $1.50. The editor's Janice, uh, Janice, Dennis J. O'Neill. Uh, the title is Breathless. Um, writers Chuck Dixon, pencilers Tom Grummet, the inkers uh, Raymond Kersing. Uh, the letter is Albert Tobias D. Gunsman, wow, long, long name there, and uh, the lovely Adrian Roy. Her colors are just so fantastic throughout this book. Um, without having the single issues in front of me, I'm uh, imagining that your guys' colors are still nice, bright, and vibrant, and even the, the trade paperback. I don't think, at the time this was published, I don't think they were re-enhancing the colors like they do now. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just pretty yeah. much however it was printed is how it's printed. And uh, the colors are just so constant through this whole uh, first arc. And uh, this has been reprinted in Robin Flying Solo trade paperback that came out in 2000 which is where I'm reading mine from. And uh, it says the penciler on the cover is Tom Grummet and Raymond Kersing did the uh, letters, which is also in there. And the cover here uh, from uh, Tom Grummet and uh, Raymond Kersing is are really cool that they have the cover credits on. And uh, um, I like the two of them. I was really kind of hoping that uh, this might be uh, Tim's uh, sidekick, which I know, spoiler, is uh, quite a bit uh, throughout the Robin series, but I was really kind of thinking this was going to turn into like a Robin and spoiler uh, type of a book. Uh, what did you guys think about the cover, and did you guys think at any point that this just this might be Robin's you know, protege at all? Terrence? I love this cover. The cover, I don't know if it's intentional or not. It looks a lot like um, Batman 488, where mm-hmm. it was Tim Drake and Asriel side by side like this. Um, yeah. The uh, It's kind of, if you look at 488, sort of the spoiler is kind of like the flip image of Tim Drake. And mm. Tim is a, is a little different, but just that side by side, I really liked. And I really liked... Um, how the spoilers face is covered in this issue or in this cover. And, um, you know, her face is not covered anymore and I'm cool with it, but the, the way it was done on this cover, makes her look like a, just a really cool character. So I've always, I've always liked that 488, um, cover a lot. And I, I like this cover a lot as well. Ryan. Yeah. Like I said, as a kid, I, I, I was always very intrigued by the cover, just the nice two big character shots and fire and smoke in the background. And, you know, at the time, I didn't know who Spoiler was, but now that we've been through this journey and everything, it's 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 cool to get to the point uh, of this Robin series fairly early on to see him interact with Spoiler again. And uh, just the fact that she's going to start to become a much more important part in Tim's life is just is really cool. I'm blanking on the Marvel character. It was in Civil War, villain that had the full mask. Why can I not think of his name? Uh, Crossbones? No, no, he... he uh, villain yeah he didn't he wasn't in costume they uh baron zemo that's what i'm thinking of. oh okay yeah, uh, yeah spoilers uh it's page 70 72 for me in the trade but it's the uh basic splash page of uh robin right in the middle with the insert panel of a stephanie which says so you remember me that's nice i always thought uh, she looked like a uh, zemo right there in that uh shot and uh i could if not knowing who spoiler was at the time, obviously, you know, Terrence and I did, but I can, I kind of imagine for you, Ryan, uh, wondering who this masked figure is. Uh, did you know if she was female 
um, at the time, or did you pick that up on that, you know, really early on? Yeah, of course. When you when you uh, read the issue, it's it's you know more obvious that she's female. But at the, at the time, I was just like, there's something weird about it. I don't understand. What, you know, who is this character and all that? So it was it was definitely jumping in. Uh, you know, at a point where some things have already happened, and as a kid, I'm just trying to like follow it and everything. But uh, but yeah, it's it's they've kind of passed the point where the there's a mystery whether she's a spoilers female or not. Yeah. I just didn't know at the time where, where you were picking this up as, as you were reading uh, to go, yeah. oh, it's a female, uh, when you finally yeah. see her without. Um, I like that they're, this is still very much a, a detective story for Tim. It's not, you know, just the uh, run-of-the-mill, chase the bad guy down, find him that they're – the both of them are trying to figure out the clues. Uh, if there's a clue from Clue Master, Tim's pretty much like, you know, he might be cured from it, but the Clue Master, that that's his mo, that's his thing. So there's got to be something greater here. We're looking at the paper, you know, was it uh, the page that was torn? Is it the back of the issue, which you know uh, Stephanie will tell us later on that she uh, got copies of the both, you know, both sides of the page while they're trying to figure it out. Um, a few episodes ago where somebody doesn't like the whole, you know, cop shtick, you know, there's more of that here between, you know, uh, Harvey and uh, Shotgun, which I think this makes this <laughs> just a, a, a fun read of, you know, like they got the uh, warrant to be able to go in and search everything, and then you later find out that, oops, no, he doesn't. Uh, but the uh, uh, two heroes have to hide underneath the bed, which... You know, somebody's coming through the door, and you hear that uh, they're looking for the, you know the notepad. So you see the hand come out, and that's kind of like a bold move to be underneath a bed and have somebody in the room of like, okay, well I see the notepad, and you have no idea where they are, and you know unless you're kind of peeking underneath the uh, um, about said curtains underneath the you know bed sheets. But uh, that was kind of a, a cool little moment. What'd you guys uh, think about? Uh, just Robin and uh, spoilers uh, interaction in the very beginning, and then them trying to put this together while hearing, you know, Shotgun and Harvey kind of go at it with one another. Uh, Terrence, this might be hard for people to uh, believe, but you know, back when I, re- I I really clearly remember reading this in twenty, what was it, twenty two years ago, yeah. um, and this might be hard for people to believe, but I wasn't exactly the most successful guy with the ladies. Back then or even now. Uh, yeah, I know it's hard to believe a, a comic book podcaster not being, you know, total ladies man. But so when I read this, I was like, man, I wish I was Tim Drake. It, it's so cool because I, I was roughly about the same age. And I'm like, man, how cool would it be to have this like incredibly beautiful Stephanie Brown spoiler, you know, person who's into you. And you've got this like secret on her. Like, you know who she is, but she doesn't know who you is. And, and you can like just drop that little like Steph and she's like, Oh, you just love rubbing that in. And like, that would just be so cool that I have the red bird and to be, you know, connected to a, you know, millionaire. And I, so when I read this, it was like a total, like uh fantasy <coughs> fulfillment of just like, it would just be so cool to be Tim Drake instead of, you know, this guy who's like late to chemistry class and failing, you know, pre-calculus or whatever. Um, but, uh, yeah, I love the, the, the cheesy dialogue between Harvey Bullock and Shotgun Smith. I, I want to see that oh, in a yeah. movie or yeah. I want it in a radio drama. And the guy I want to play Shotgun Smith is, um, 
Well, I mean, Harvey Bullock's got to be the guy who did the animated series. Like, that's Harvey Bullock. But yeah. Shotgun Smith, in those radio dramas that you were playing for Nightfall, yeah. the guy who does the voice of Batman and how dramatic he is with that, and the Tim, and the, that's how I want Shotgun Smith. <laughs> or like, you know, if I see you here, I'm going to arrest you for, what was it, uh, uh, indecent exposure because you're showing your face or something like yeah. that. I can't find it here, but it was just yeah, like. Yeah, he says that yeah. Bullock showing his face counts as indecent exposure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Here it is. I'll bust you for indecent exposure, Bullock, namely showing your face. And it's like not your face, your Y-E-R, your face. face. Uh, (laughs) I love it. Yeah. So definitely this and reading that brought back. I read it this morning and brought back all those memories. So it's just great. The artwork's great. The color's great. Um, Just little things like in those panels you were talking about the um there's like a silhouette of robin and spoiler jumping over a fence i Mm. I just love that panel and there's a lot of snow in it and the reds when harvey and uh shotgun are talking to each other oh it's just it's just fantastic i just love it oh ryan what i think is interesting about this uh section is that um you've got the part where tim drake and stephanie brown are underneath the bed and trying to you know uh you know, hide from the cops, which is something that you can't really do with a character like Batman because he's just big old Batman. He, you, you just don't. I don't see Batman being able to so hide underneath the bed or whatever. But it's but since like uh, Spoiler and Robin are kids, it's something that that works and that makes sense. And it and it you've got that plus you've got, it just ties into their whole like you know fun relationship at this point in the series, which I thought was fun. And then Bullock and Shotgun's dialogue is absolutely hilarious. You know, the cops don't want to go in, and then Bullock's just like calls him a bunch of candy butts. <laughs> I just think that's a hilarious, <laughs> yeah. that's a hilarious line. I just love that so much. Um, and you get more uh, story about the differences between you know Gotham City and Gotham County and all that kind of thing. But um, and uh, I really like the panel here uh, where before they jump over the fence where it's Robin helping spoiler out of the window. I just think it's one of those things like you read it and it's, uh, it's just something that just happens and they, and neither a character kind of like, you know, says anything about it, but it's one of those like pre chivalrous kind of things where Tim's like, well, I'm going to be nice to this girl. <laughs> so yeah. it's, 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 yeah. it's just, it's just a fun little, uh, quirk in the story that, uh, I paid too much attention to. Well, not only that, but it, Having just done our most recent episode, it's kind of like that panel in um, thirty nine, uh, nine thirty nine, where uh, Stephanie has her arms wrapped around behind him. Just a, a nice little character beat that you can kind of miss over, but it's those little things like, you know, Stephanie's boyfriend's got her arms around him, like you've probably seen uh, many times, and then uh, just Tim doing the right thing, helping Stephanie out of the window here. Those little nuances that you know they'll put in comics. Um, and just in any story, just kind of makes it seem a little bit more real and kind of, you know, maybe shows you yeah. like, oh, I, if that was my girlfriend coming out the window and we were running from the cops, I would help her out. <laughs> or I'm hearing myself going, are you kidding? I'm out the window. I'm running. I'm telling my wife, you better run. <laughs> yeah. If I help you out, we're going to get caught. But thinking if that was Batman and they come bursting in, Batman would have stood there and looked over his shoulder and the cops would have been like, oh. Okay, we'll, we'll give you a minute. So it works into their their characterization that, like you said, Ryan, their kids are going to have to dive under the bed and hide because yeah, that's that's what they would do. And, and it's a great little beat there where where uh, after that scene that Ryan talked about, 
where spoiler's like, I was wondering something myself. Yeah. What you look like without that mask. And he's just like, whoa, in his face. Like, I love <laughs> yeah, that. It's, just, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good moment. Yeah. And uh, I love that. But what I also really like, it's making me like you were casting who uh, you'd want to be voicing, you know, shotgun and everything. As much as uh, we might like or not like to show Gotham, I want them to recast, recast, recast <laughs> Gotham and turn it into a buddy cop show. I want the Bullock and Shotgun Smith show because <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah. their, their dialogue here is still, you know, really good. You know, uh, where, where I'm losing my spot. Oh, here. Uh, once they step into the light, uh, I'll be nailing them. You know, just that, <laughs> not nailing them, nailing them, and just it's just more uh, more great dialogue from Chuck Dixon that just makes you go. I'm disappointed that Shotgun didn't last uh, longer uh, throughout the series, that he was real sporadic and then all but just disappeared. Yeah, it's weird. Like in the letter columns, that, that he, he keeps brought, getting brought up a lot. Like everybody keeps wanting to talk about Shotgun Smith. It's kind of <laughs> funny. Yeah. Maybe that's something that uh, Tenian will, will fall on, bring up Shotgun Smith somehow. That'd be, that'd be kind of cool to see him get resurrected. Um, it looks like the Baffler... Uh, has a new uh, costume and a new nickname of the uh, Headbanger, I guess, although later on uh, Clue Master will call him the Baffler again. Um, I, I like the Electrocutioner. I think I said this previously uh, as a character, but uh, his costume here just looks like he belongs uh, in the Spider-Man comic. He doesn't look Electrocutioner-ish like I maybe like as an Arkham costume, or maybe he would appear later on. This red and black costume almost looks like he's a, a foil for uh, the Spider-Man. Did his costume look ever bother you guys, or was it just somebody you never really paid much attention to? Uh, Terrence? Yeah, I didn't really pay much attention to it. Uh, none of them really feel like Batman villains, really, or Batman-esque, but if you were reading a bunch of books in the 90s, they kind of feel like 90s supervillains or just villains um so but yeah he could have been picked out of this book and put in an image book or put in a, a marvel book or they're they're very generic in their look but not the spoiler i thought the spoiler was pretty unique mm-hmm. um for the time and kind of fit the batman universe um but wasn't just a copy it wasn't just batman with boobs or something like that or, or a clone of something else so she i think fits really well but yeah, they're just kind of very generic. Yeah. Any thoughts, Ryan? Yeah, not much. I mean, it's it's just one of those things where it's 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 showing its age, and it's just kind of part of the the time of the '90s, and they could get away with just putting some, you know, colorful <laughs> villains in there, and if they don't hold up as much as you know Robin and Stephanie's outfits do. Yeah. Um, I like seeing that uh, Tim is able to access the back computer in here and uh, says, I wonder how long until uh, Jean-Paul, you know, sh- you know, shuts him out. But obviously Jean-Paul has got other things going on at this time, rather than worrying that if Robin is hacking into uh, the back cave. And I think the, the letter or the notepad that he has here where he's doing oh, yeah. the, uh, the uh, transfer from is the hide a wee motor lodge, hide a wee, <laughs> <I love that. laughs> which sounds like, 
Um, it's brought up uh, earlier or later in uh, one of the uh, other issues where you know don't don't these guys ever change their clothes or as they're picking out hide or hideaways like we need a, a, an old hotel or a motel to stay in. There's Best Western. There's the Hilton. There's the Hideaway. What's well, got the word hide in it? So well, that looks cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's got roaches and rats in it. You know, one thing I noticed about that panel about uh, Tim on the computer, I, I like how they mentioned Jean-Paul, obviously. And then uh, I, I wondered if it's just the th- fact that maybe Jean-Paul doesn't really use the back computer that much to be able to tell that Tim's using it. And isn't there even that shot or that scene in one of the Nightfall books where the back computer's like half busted and Tim is like – I remember this from the radio drama, you know, where Tim is pretending to be the computer voice and he's yeah. like running the computer remotely. Is that I, I was wondering if that was in the audio drama only or if that was in the books too, the uh, fact that Tim was manning the computers because they were a lot of them were still not working right after the Batman Bane fight. I want to say it was in the radio drama only, um, and there's not too many from what I can remember. There's not too many instances where Jean Paul is on the Bat computer. I think he's just out there getting information from yeah. Commissioner Gordon, and he's just kind of running amok, uh, yeah, on his own. So I and he would be the type that I don't wouldn't be like a Bruce and he's going to take a sample and go back to the Batcave. He's just going to go... he punch somebody until they tell him Yeah, until something. they tell yeah. him. Yeah. So I think... Hey, he, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say two things on that, that page there uh, with the computer. One, I remember reading it and getting excited because I knew what a Cray was because the Cray supercomputers because I had seen a thing about yeah. Industrial Light and Magic and that they were using a Cray supercomputer to uh, run like their software and they had named it Java and this was like 94 or 90 late 93 94 so Star Wars was really like in a hibernation period like people forget that you know from the end of Return of the Jedi to uh, before the the first prequel it kind of went away for a while and I remember reading that and be like I know what a Cray is and then we know that Robin is a big uh, third base fan but in the poster on his be- wall, Big Sugar, is that like a real thing that I don't know about, or is that just made up for the to fill something in there? A part of me would want to say it's made up, but uh, I don't know. I'm actually typing in Big Sugar <laughs> <laughs> right now. Um, all I'm getting is Big Sugar uh, Bake Shop. Uh, well, wait a minute. Big Sugar are Canadian blues reggae rock band who were active from 1991 until 2004. So, wow, that's a that's a deep cut, as they would as Kevin Smith would say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, kudos to uh, uh, Dixon and the the team here. Uh, for uh, doing <laughs> doing that again, so, we got from third base to Big Sugar. All these no, years, wait, I had no uh, idea. I know what the song you're going to have on this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to have to find a song from Big Sugar just to have for the intro for the podcast. <laughs> so did if you've you gotten this were... far, um, yeah, Big Sugar. Uh, did you say they were Canadian reggae blues band? Is that what you said? Uh, Big Sugar are Canadian blues reggae rock band. Um, wow. Uh, so yeah. funny. I wonder. <laughs> it makes me think. Like, is does Tim really like this stuff, or is he just like putting up a front to be like this? I'm nor- I'm a normal yeah. kid, guys. Wow, talk about yeah. <laughs> falling down the rabbit hole. Um, this is gonna be the Big Sugar podcast. Uh, like I said, they were active from '91 till 2004. They disbanded, and then they reactivated again uh, from April of 2010 till now. Wow. Uh, Big songs are all hell from a basement, digging a hole, and turn the lights on. 
<laughs> All hell yeah. from the basement. Wow. The two things I'm thinking, one, like Ryan said, it's just, Tim, like, looks this stuff up as a front, so then, like, he comes to school so he can pretend to be a normal teenager, and he's like, hey, you guys see the latest Big Sugar video? And they're all like, who the hell's Big Sugar? What is he talking about? Or two, that, there's a, that's a Saturday Night Live skit right there, like a Canadian <laughs> reggae blues rock. Yeah. How's it going, eh? Now is our new song about Jamaica. I mean, I oh, gosh, uh, Big Sugar. Who I'm knew? looking at their images right now. They're all white. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> wow. Rabbit Hole. Thank you, DC Comics. Uh, I remember reading that and just kind of looking like, Big Sugar, that's kind of stupid to have on your wall. I guess yeah. not. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, you talked about a panel that you really liked of uh, the silhouette of Stephanie, or spoiler, and Robin jumping off the uh, out the window. I believe that's what that that one was uh, the one I like here on one of the next pages is Robin swinging away from spoiler, kind of catching him in the uh, moonlight there. That's a really cool pose. You can kind of see the snow and then her kicking the, uh, the snow off the roof and saying rats, you know, basically getting the information from her and then basically like, well, uh, I'm going to go check something out. And he just happens to, you know, bail on her, which is going to turn to bite him in the butt here before too long. Uh, seeing uh, Tim and the Redbird, uh, it was always really cool, and we've talked about it before, but Robin having his own vehicle to drive around um, rather than him being on like a motorcycle or something like that. It's really cool. So anytime the Threadbird appears in the issues, I think that's uh, really neat. Um, I did have a question here that I wonder if I missed something. With the electrocutioner stepping in front of the uh, armored uh, truck here, if it's uh, carrying the money that Tim's you know trying to track down, it looks like that he stepped out in front of like oncoming traffic and then they allow him to open the hood. I kept thinking like, did there, was there a mention of like the truck being broke down? Like in what world would the, uh, armed guards let a guy pop their hood or did he just do that really fast? But he like fries the whole thing. And then later on they <laughs> drive it into the hole. So it, am I missing something there? Uh, out of the trade, or is that how it is in the single issues, Terrence? Yeah, that's how it is. I think that's kind of a goof. I don't think an armored truck would you'd be able to pull a, the hood up that easily, and I don't know why you'd have to pull up the hood. If it seems like he's just short, is short shortening out the battery or the electrical system, because then later on he just gives it a charge to get it going again. So I think that was probably just just kind of a little bit of a goof. Yeah, gotcha. And then, you know, this moves pretty quick here with uh, uh, the team of uh, the Clue Master going through, uh, taking out all the guards and the electrocutioner, you know, frying some guy, uh, frying the driver. I, that guy's dead. I don't, I don't care what you say. He does not look happy right there, although he's doing the – one of the sound effects my wife uh, loves to – uh, imitate and do when I'm reading comics. She go, did somebody get the whole? G -g 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 <laughs> I don't know <laughs> what story we were reading, but every now and then that's her little thing. She's like, you're reading your g -g 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 comic books, <laughs> um, and then uh, the guards getting gassed and uh, about said uh, Zonk and uh, Electrocutioner running to go do their next task, which we find out it's going to be digging a hole, and the Clue Master going in to check the money and Robin uh, jumping in to foil the crime. They uh. Uh, and not not digging the hole, but they're going to hop in the car and rewire it after Electrocutioner shocked it and uh, drive away. And uh, Robin and uh, 
Clue Master have their fight here. Um, I didn't think this was going to turn out the way that it did uh, with them uh, getting put into the hole and cement uh, dropped out on top of them. And it really ends in a real uh, bad predicament. It sounds like, uh, Ryan, you had to wait a very long time to figure out how Ryan yeah. is getting out of this. So that whole yeah. that whole sequence is pretty cool. What would you guys think of uh, everything that kind of went on through uh, these last few uh, uh, pages here? Uh, Terrence. Yeah, you know, the whole uh, armored car thing is is not the greatest. It's just kind of like just to get you to the end beat, which is fine because it, it moves quick. Uh, I like the fight with Robin and Clue Master because Robin just pretty much beats him down. Like there's there's really not too much. I think uh, Clue Master gets one kick in uh, and tries to throw some acid and Robin just, just gives him a beat down and um, he deserves it with that ponytail. Um, I, I like how spoiler didn't, doesn't know what's going on. Like, it's not like, oh, he's buried and I have to save him. She's like, what's going on? And how the guys didn't know it. And I remember, clearly remember reading it thinking, oh man, he's in a lot of trouble. How's he, how's he going to get out of this? What, what's going on with this? And then I had to wait a month. And then the cover of five is like right out of the back of four. And it's like, holy crap. So yeah, I, I remember like. Not being able to wait that month for it, like anticipating. Good thing there wasn't a spo- uh, internet back then that I could have <laughs> yeah. got on the spoilers because I would have. But yeah, I thought it was really dramatic. The ending, I really liked it. Uh, Ryan, yeah, I was like I said, I was super worried about Tim uh, at the end of this issue because I was just like, oh my gosh, he's buried and he's gonna he's not gonna be able to breathe and what's gonna happen. And then I wasn't able to get the next issue until a long time later. Um, <laughs> But, you know, there's two observations I had uh, reading the rest of this this issue. First of all, Chuck Dixon was writing, like, every comic book ever. Like, there's there's all kinds of – there's ads in in the issue. It's like, oh, Chuck Dixon, he's writing uh, Guy Gardner Warrior. Oh, and Chuck Dixon's also writing some issues of, uh, you know, Showcase 94, like, and Robin and all this stuff. I'm like, man, he's writing a lot in this this period. I think he's uh, doing Detective, too. Wasn't he on Detective? Uh, I think this is when uh, Detective is doing. Uh, well, is he? I don't know. He was on one of the bad books during it's, this time it's, too. Yeah. It's, Night, it's Nightquest stuff going on at the moment. And then pretty soon he did uh, Nightwing too. He was doing Nightwing also. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And um, I think he was doing Catwoman too before. I thought too he was. Long. Yeah, I thought he was doing Catwoman too. Yeah, Dixon did all kinds of stuff. <laughs> uh, and then there's other one other weird panel that I thought was really strange towards the end where. Robin's looking at the time. I'm like, like, first of all, why does Robin have a watch on underneath his gloves? And second of all, he's got like manly hair. Yeah, I'm glad you brought also, that up. Yeah, I thought that was a really weird panel. I'm like, he should have some kind of like more high tech Batman thing going on or something uh, to tell the time. But he's got this weird watch that he has to roll up his sleeve for, and then he's got like man hair. I thought that was strange. Now that would have been fitting if he would have said, you know, you know how much air do I have left or what the time I'm looking at my dad's watch, you know, hope Bruce finds him that, that might've been something. I don't know if we're supposed to go, Oh, maybe that's his dad's watch, but a, a kid in the nineties oh, yeah. teen would not have had that type of watch. So yeah, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, then we can move into uh, five here. Uh, this will wrap up the story. Uh, Last Gasps is the title, and the writing credits are exactly the same for this. Uh, the front cover, uh, you see the, which doesn't really happen this way in the issue, um, 
it basically what has uh, happened in the issue, the vents just kind of get filled up, but nothing's really pouring in. But from the front cover, I you're kind of led to believe that the whole armored uh, tank is going to fill up and they're going to drown first before they yeah. uh, suffocate. But uh, it's, it's still a really cool image you see, you know, Robin reaching out through... Uh, this is one of my favorite early covers. I just don't don't know what it is. I don't know if it's the suspense of. I'm like you, Terrence. I vividly remember this time frame picking up these issues, and each one of these this first runs for a while. I bought the issue, sat in my car, and read it before I drove home, and then I would read it again. But this this is an image that always sticks with me when I think of the '90s uh, Robin series. This is one of the first images that popped to mind. So, what do you guys think about the cover here, Terrence? Yeah, it's great. I know the um, it's a little misleading with the window out the back, but it's for the cover. I mean, so you couldn't have done this without having some kind of misleading um, image because either you wouldn't see Robin or you wouldn't see the the concrete. So just as the cover, I thought it was I thought it was awesome. And if you were couldn't wait to read the next part of the story like I did, it it, it sucks you right in. You're like you're back, you're ready to go. So I, I love this cover. I think it's awesome. Ryan. Yeah, I love the cover too. It's but since I didn't get to read this issue for so long, it was literally like picking up a window into like my childhood <laughs> because <laughs> because I've been waiting for it for so long and I'm like, "Oh, I always wonder what this issue looked like and what the cover was and what the story was like." And it's great to just like see this issue pick back up. It's like, "Oh, you remember what where you left off last time and now like here you are. It's right back here and now we're going to finally going to get to see if Robin's able to get out of this cement uh cement filled trap." So, I don't know if it's possible to say or not, but I think the art is even better in this book than it was in four. Um, I think just the way everybody's drawn, especially the nice splash page here, a spoiler on top of one of the girders looking down um, at the head basher and electrocutioner while they're you know pouring the uh, the concrete in and she's wondering you know what's going on why hasn't robin shown up yet and well maybe i better track them because robin's you know looking at my father or whatever that case is but the art is just so crisp and clean and uh i really thought this had been colored or digitally done and i pulled out the uh, single issue for this and uh, the art is just as crisp and clean as it is in the trade i think this is one of my favorite uh, panels out of the whole book. There's a lot of good ones, but this one always sticks out to me in this issue. Just you know, spoiler, kind of doing the whole you know hero perch on top of a gargoyle. In this case, is a um, a steel girder. But I just, I love this. What do you guys think about just this opening uh, page here, Terrence? Yeah, um, it kind of this opening page and the opening splash panel remind me of I think it was issue three where Robin was on the cover. And you had kind of that over-the-shoulder shot of him jumping through the city. And, uh, yeah, this is really cool. And, you know, as I was reading um, issue four, I didn't quite understand what their whole plan was with the armored car and everything. And I think by this shot, I kind of I figured it out. And I, I still – I thought they were going to try to pull the truck out of the concrete. So I was like, how are they getting the truck out of the concrete? But at the same time, I was thinking, you know, this is, this is pr- a pretty – a pretty cool plan. Um, it's pretty ingenious. And I liked how they, they did the time. Although I think there's little, like they keep showing the time in digital. It felt a little flat because I just wasn't sure what it actually meant. I'm like, 
well, okay, that's the time, but how much time do they have left or what are we counting down to or something? So I think they tried on that and they failed a little with the time, but the the panels were really good. And, hey, real quick, I was looking up um, the Chuck Dixon stuff. Yeah, he did Detective Comics. He did 644 to 729, Jeez. which was ni- 1992 to 1999. Um, but also, too, what we missed, um, he didn't start Nightwing till 96. Oh, wow. But okay. in, in 94... Uh, he he was doing Green Arrow. He did Green Arrow uh, 93 to 137, and that is a really awesome Green Arrow run. That's where Green Arrow gets like his arm blown off, and then he dies, and then Connor Hawk takes over. Although in the stuff here, he's not credited as creating Connor Hawk, but this is where Connor Hawk did come in. So he was writing Connor Hawk and Tim Drake at the same time and doing a pretty darn good job of it. So sorry to go on that tangent there. No, but, wow, that's yeah. cool. Chuck Dixon's pretty amazing. Um, all the different. If you look up his Wikipedia page, it's got his bibliography, and it's just amazing all the different runs that he's had, and not just DC. He's done a lot of other uh, companies as well. Uh, that's I didn't. I guess I didn't realize he was the one that was doing that Green Arrow run that brought in Connor Hawk. That may be something I may have to go back through because I have very few comics of that Green Arrow uh, run at all. So maybe something else, maybe after I complete this Robin series, to go back and do Chuck Dixon's, you know, <laughs> Green Arrow run. That's a, another favorite character of mine. I yeah, would... it was really good. And also, too, at the same time, he was doing a lot of Punisher for Marvel. So he was... I Jeez. Mean, He's writing he was, everything. He was. He really was. It's crazy. I don't think there's anybody of that caliber that's writing, like, Scott Snyder at the most might have been writing three books in when the New 52 started, but... You very rarely get anybody that's doing, you know, more than three books nowadays. And Dixon was probably juggling six or seven at one time. And probably none of those books were suffering in quality whatsoever. Each book felt just as stellar as the last one. Uh, What were your thoughts on this uh, page before we move on here, Ryan? I really like it. It's a cool setup to uh, what's happening. You know, at first you don't know uh, where you are or how Tim is doing yet. Um, what I thought was cool story-wise is the fact that the first <laughs> – I like the title of the story is Last Gasps because you're already like, oh, Tim's going to run out of air. But um, the other cool thing is that you've got the timestamps. I thought that was a nice touch, you know, 938 and 958, just to, just to add to that level of tension of, oh, he's got to get out of, out of there uh, in a timely fashion or they're going to run out of, run of air. And, yeah, the splash pages are cool. It's actually fun to see – Stephanie doing her own detective work because it's one of those instances where, you know, this it's kind of coming back to kind of bite him in the butt because he he keeps hiding things from Stephanie, like, you know, what his plans are, what's going to happen. He's leaving her out of things. And so now he's kind of in this predicament. And, uh, you know, if Stephanie knew what was going on, she might have been able to help sooner. But it's, it's fun to see Stephanie uh, taking the uh initiative uh of on herself to uh figure out what's going on and even here she's questioning being spoiler you know the first page she talks about how spoiler being spoiler is just a goof to get back at my dad but i think after incidents like this it's going to start uh forcing her to want to become more of a you know actual hero hey yeah my only issue with the whole thing is every now and again she refers to the spoiler as daddy yeah. And it seemed a little weird. Like, that seemed a little weird. Yeah. Especially because she's supposed to be a, f- a couple years older than Tim. Mm hmm. And, and hate her father. So it's. Yeah. 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 That was one of those things I, I had a point that I 
I'm glad you brought that up. Is like I, that the only pot, spot that seemed out of character for her that I would have assumed that she would have been calling him by his first name and not referring to him as dad or because I think she did that uh, was doing that uh, back in uh, the Batman comic uh, before we get into the Robin series um, that she wasn't even wanting to identify her being uh, his daughter so it seemed like a little step back for the character and daddy just seemed you know odd and weird uh, speaking of daddy freaking out which this totally would have been me once I realized oh, great, I'm in an armored car, we're going to run out of air, somebody's going to probably have to knock me out because I probably would have expelled all of the air out for both of us. And I like that that is kind of brought up a little bit later um, that Tim has to wrestle with, um, you know, do do I get rid of, kill the Clue Master to save my own air? You know, that's what Lady Shiva would have done. But doing something like that, Bruce would have eventually found out about it, and he would have been disappointed in Tim. Batman would have done that, so I like that he's wrestling with that. But the whole thing with the time, they do address it here on page 5, or Tim's figuring that out, but the sense of having the clock isn't really... It doesn't feel that important to us. They're like, oh, that's the time, you know. Uh, The only weight of time is the guys aren't going to come back to get the truck out until Saturday, and that's you know a few days from now that they'll clearly be dead by then but that's the only other time frame we have so it's not like okay when the clock strikes 12 you're out of gas uh, we never really get to that point and the clock i don't think tells time anymore until uh well, it does go on it does hit two o'clock i had forgotten that it went that that far here i thought it stopped at, at 10 so way to read your comic there rob <laughs> uh like you said ryan to her doing uh, some detective work on her own, uh, tracking them down in the hotel. Um, Robin finding a sandwich that was probably from the guard that was in uh, the truck at the time, and he's you know willing to share uh, the sandwich and whatever uh, drink uh, is left from the guard for the two of them. And uh, uh, Sunday night late is when I said Saturday, and Tim says that's two days from now from when they're going to come back, and. Uh, you have Stephanie uh, going into the other uh, hotel room where the electrocutioner and uh, head basher are. And it's kind of a, a cool little moment where Stephanie's trying to figure out, you know, she can't take a shower because they might hear or she might miss something. She can't watch TV. She should bring a book to read. And uh, on the preceding page, we get uh, on 10, uh, Tim basically foiling uh, the plan for Clue Master and saying, you know, this is kind of an ingenious thing you guys had going here but this money was set to be destroyed and they've already punched holes in it so they couldn't have passed this off at all so the plan seemed really cool at first that wow i never would have thought about burying the truck and digging it up a few days later when nobody's expecting it and taking all this money and they wouldn't have been able to do that because it was already set up so i thought that was pretty cool that tim at least was still doing some detective work and could still be like well we're both going to die in here but uh, you got us both killed for nothing because this money <laughs> wasn't going to work. So what did you guys uh, think <laughs> about that whole setup, uh, Terrence? Yeah, I kind of liked uh, how, how Steph kind of sees like what the criminal element is life is like. And she's just like, no, thank you. You know, cold pizza and crappy motel rooms. Um, and then I liked her just riding around on her motorcycle. That was kind of cool. Um, but I also wondered like the the robbery kind of reminded me a little bit of the robin miniseries i think it was 
the Joker's Wild, but maybe it was the third one where they were robbing um, the prince or the I don't know what it's called, the things to make money, and they were doing it for the the Euro, which hadn't come out yet. Oh, plates, and yeah. They, yeah, they were, was that the miniseries where they did that? Yeah, that was uh, Cry of the Huntress. Okay, yeah. And so it was for a currency that hadn't yet come out yet, but they were like ahead of it. And this I thought was like the opposite. They're doing the currency that's old and doesn't work. My only thing was I, I thought that was a funny twist. The only thing is, well, if it's no good, why would you have to put it in an armored car and have you know guards and all that kind of stuff? <laughs> like yeah. wouldn't just an ordinary truck work? But it's kind of a cool twist. Um and then I, I do like Stephanie just kind of hanging out there bored, and um, and then uh, uh, yeah, it's 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 it kind of it moves along at a good pace. I like it. Uh, Ryan. Yeah, I, I, you know, I thought it was actually kind of cool that uh, <laughs> spoiler is upgraded to like a little moped kind of thing because in a, a few issues ago, or I think the last time we saw her, she was in a a bicycle actually. Yeah. <laughs> so. So I don't know if it was one of those where, like, well, we need her to kind of be able to get to places faster, and she needs to be a little bit cooler. So I, I thought that was a fun addition, just seeing that. And, uh, and like I said, just fun to see, spoiler spoiler on her own, seeing what she's doing, uh, doing her own you know detective work, trying to figure out uh, what's uh, what's going on with, with, with the whole thing. But I like next when... <laughs> Robin's watch makes a reappearance and Pimento Loaf makes an appearance. I love this next part. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Tim, uh, as much as you were saying earlier about, man, I wish I was that cool to have, you know, the spoiler character <laughs> kind of having the hots for me. And I got this other girl that I cannot seem to get it right that Tim was supposed to have a date with Ari. And now the bus boy is like, well, you've been here a while. I, I get off in a little bit. We'll go out. And she's like, oh, Boy, you're going to get such a nasty phone call from me, Tim Drake, when you call back. You yeah. Know? <laughs> like he just. Well, you know what? I, I thought that's a you know in the comic book I have those two pages are like right next to each other, so they're and they're laid out very similarly. So I think it's actually a fun uh, juxtaposition to see you know Stephanie and what she's thinking about Tim versus Ariana and what she's thinking about Tim. And I thought it was interesting also how Stephanie's very dreamy eyed about Tim, thinking about how old he is and if he's seeing anyone. But in the detective comic story, she like yells at Batman about how she's clearly older than Robin and how she should get to, you know, come and come with Batman instead of Robin. So I think she should at least know that he's younger, unless that's something that they're starting to kind of go back on a little bit. But yeah, I have wondered that too, for people that maybe didn't pick up that almost one off Stephanie Brown story for people that are just hopping on, uh, to this, maybe after coming out of Nightfall, they can kind of reset up some things, like in, in case you missed it. So I, I, I kind of gave it a yeah. little bit of leadway here of like, all right, I, I get it if you didn't catch that first appearance of Stephanie Brown. Because this is like a, because she has even has a line here where they kind of subtly try to redirect it, where she says, "I wonder how old he is. Must be he must be around my age." Yeah. So. Um, yeah, the pimento loaf I thought was <laughs> was funny here, and you were we're kind of at the. Uh, spot of Tim is realizing the air is getting thicker, it's darker, it's getting harder to breathe, and he's starting to wrestle uh, with the things I was talking about earlier. You know, at one point he's standing up and he's standing over uh, the Clue Master with his fence, fence, his fist clenched, like I could take him out and I could save myself some air, but I would never want Bruce to even know that I even thought of it. So, you know, if anybody ever found him. Uh, Bruce wouldn't have a hard time figuring out, well, Robin must have killed him. 
So that I I I like that out of Tim that he he talks himself down off that like if he's gonna if he's gonna go down then they're just gonna go down quietly and that just may be their their lot. And this next section moves pretty quick here with Stephanie having fallen asleep because she got so bored listening to him talk about pizza and everything else. And then you have Shotgun uh, arriving back here, and Stephanie's got to do something stupid to get out of the motel, which I was trying to figure that out because they're in the next room, and you can kind of see that she's listening. So you would think she would just turn around and go out the door, but I'm starting to think maybe she was creating a diversion so they could get out and escape so she can find out what their plan is if they get captured then she can't figure out what they're doing with the money or what's going on next. So I don't know if I'm reading into that or if that's just what they decided to do so she can arrive back at uh, the scene. Do you guys have any thoughts on that at all, Terrence? Yeah, I thought exactly. She's she's helping Electrocutioner and Headbanger escape so that she can follow them to find her father and presumably probably Robin, she assumes. Cool. And then... Uh, pages 18 through 19 uh, is probably the last few moments of where Tim is passing out uh, from a lack of oxygen and uh, probably would have died had the bad guys not come to the rescue, although they are pretty much at the point of, you know, screw Clue Master, we're going to dig this thing up and they can split it two ways and not have to deal with it. Stephanie uh, shows up, knocks out the Clue Master, and uh, Tim comes out and plants a nice... uh, big kiss on stephanie for saving his uh saving his life which is going to kind of spin tim uh a little bit differently with uh ari and his relation to uh stephanie before too long and uh tim makes the call for a shotgun to come in and the issue kind of ends nicely here with uh, the bad guys being taken away and uh shotgun kind of going well maybe that robin character isn't so bad after all the kid's a pain in the butt but maybe uh, he's got a few good points, maybe, and we see uh, the Clue Master kicking uh, the Baffler back in the butt. You know, forget uh, Headbanger. He is the Baffler because uh, Tim uh, <laughs> ended up pointing out it was because of this knucklehead that Robin even showed up in the very first place that he could have got away with all this money that happened to have paper hole punches in it at all. So I thought the issue ended really pretty cool, and you knew that the main hero wasn't going to die, Detective Comics. Uh, but uh, I thought this first arc for Tim, the first story, uh, was real satisfying, and it was what I wanted back in the 90s uh, for a Tim Drake Robin series. It made me want the next uh, set of uh, issues that would come out, and it's still a fun read right now. I finished uh, reading these last two again uh, this morning before we recorded, and uh, it's just a fun read to go back and read these classic stories. And uh, other than a few little hiccups here or there, maybe with uh, time and, you know, maybe the placement of some characters throughout, it's as much as Dixon was writing back then, it's still good quality. Uh, some things may feel dated because of the Cray computer and a few other little things and the weird watch, but I don't feel it's so dated like, oh, I'm definitely reading a 1960s campy story. I think this still holds uh, up very well. Uh, today and is a, a definite fun read. What were your guys' thoughts on this uh, this final issue and this first arc for the uh, Robin ongoing proper series, Terrence? 
Well, uh, Tim Drake thinks he's dying here, and his final words are, you left it to me, and all I did was die, which I, I like the his new last words, Robin out. That was kind of a – and, and yeah. not Red Robin out, but Robin, Robin out. I thought those were Robin out. Uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a great, fun read. I love the kiss at the end. I love where it's going to go. Um, and uh, I love the, the, the shotgun smith at the end here and um, – Flu master kicking baffler right in the butt. It's just, it's just, it's, I don't know. It's like the perfect amount of camp where it's just a little bit that it's enjoyable and not too much where it takes you out of the story or seems ridiculous. Um, and then the one thing, there's an advertisement right towards the end, which you don't have in your trade paperback, Rob, but I, I wanted to get Ryan's take on this. They set up like their upcoming oh, yeah. comics as if it's out of the old TV guide, like it's TV shows. And then they have actors suggested for, like, playing the part. So, like, they've got the Aquaman miniseries Time and Tide. Uh, and then so Aquaman's played by Kiefer Sutherland. But yeah. then for Batman, they've got three different Batman, which I guess this is the Jean-Paul Valley Batman. So they either have Batman being played by Brad Pitt in Batman 505. Uh, Brad Pitt played by Carrie Uls. Uls, I guess. He's the guy from, El- like... Elways. Elways. El- he's the one from... Uh, the Princess, Princess Bride, Bride right? yeah. 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 Or, and then this guy, I don't know, Batman played by Peter Horton. I have no idea. But, Ryan, which one, who is your John Paul Valley in the movie? If that, <laughs> I think I think I would have to pick Carrie Elways because he, he can be, like, heroic and everything, but he can have, like, a weird sinister vibe, too, sometimes. I think he could have probably played a pretty good John Paul Valley. And he's got the, like, blonde hair and all that, so it would have worked. I just looked up that Peter Horton guy. And he was on a TV show 30-something, but he was married to Michelle Pfeiffer for seven years. So hmm. I guess there's a Catwoman connection there. That's got to count for something. Yeah, <laughs> that ties, ties into the Batman universe. First arc Oh, it's, uh, it's, it's great to see t- Tim being able to get out of there. And uh, it was really shocking to see, um, <laughs> spoiler, uh, kiss Tim on the lips like that. I thought that was really fun. It comes out of nowhere. And it's one of those things where, like, oh, look, he he get he gets kind of gets the girl at the end, you know, and it doesn't happen too often. So, but it's just a brief moment, and they just kind of skip past it, and then Tim is just like, okay, see you later, <laughs> see you later, Stephanie, uh, which is fun. Um, it's just one of those things that uh, just sets up more, um, more to come. And I do also like that Headbanger got to live up to his namesake by uh, busting through a wall, uh, which I thought was kind of fun. <clears throat> In the hotel, uh, but yeah, I think it was a definitely a fun uh, arc and a good start to uh, to the Robins uh, series. You know, from here on out, there's it, it gets quite uh, quite confusing for a while because then we've got like a one issue uh, Night Quest ending conclusion, then we have a three issue showcase uh, story with the Huntress, and then you've got Night's End, and all, and then you've got Prodigal, so so this kind of stands alone as, like, the first nice bit. I'm glad that the, the series had a chance to stand alone for a five-issue arc before they started uh, having to support some other larger DCU stories. Yeah, I think that's the one thing that I, I liked all the little, you know, going back into, you know, Nightfall and Night's Quest and the, the Huntress little story again, but, like you said, uh, we would take getting out of Prodigal uh, for it's probably like issue 15, 16 by that point before it's really back to being a, a Robin solo series again. So uh, the series is still very much tied into the Bat 
Batman books as a whole. But I think this was really good first arc that we stayed Robin centric. We bring in the spoiler, reestablish her for people that are just catching it for the very first time. And um, I, I was real happy with this, and it just made me want to keep reading yeah. more through the whole time. Well, before we go here, uh, something that we've been liking to do here is go back to the old letter columns. So, uh, Ryan, you got any more uh, gems from the uh, 90s about uh, these particular issues here? Hey, you know what? This is all your mail. Yeah, so I've got a few for each. So in uh, Robin number eight, we get the letters that pertain to Robin number four. And let's see, there's a few good ones in here. Uh, so I'll start with this one. This one is from James Evans from Cornell University in Ithaca, New York. And he says, uh, Dear Jordan, Tim, you're blowing it. After finding someone interesting in Ariana, you're treating her like dirt. Our hero certainly has something to learn about treating a lady right. Oh, well. I have to admit that I probably wasn't any better than Tim at his age. Let's just have Tim learn a little faster than I and most men do. Speaking of women, I like the reintroduction of the spoiler, although I fear Ariana's accidentally seeing Tim with her and thinking the wrong thing should the spoiler learn of Tim's identity. My vote as to whom I think is better for Tim goes to Ariana all the way, and it will make a major character assassination on the part of Chuck Dixon to change my mind. The character I'd like most to appear here is Nightwing. Besides their meeting in Batman 500, the two living Robins haven't really interacted very much recently, or at all. How about a guest appearance? Uh, I liked the hint of turmoil in Shotgun Smith's past. He mentioned that he was abandoned by the Gotham Police Department sometime in the past. If you could somehow work it into a case Tim was investigating, please tell us this story. I'd love to have a little more of Shotgun's past fleshed out so that he doesn't seem like too much of a clone of Bullock. The way things stand, I see a few too many parallels between the two, and something needs to be done to separate them. And then the response is uh, that Tim will learn his way around women as he matures, as I can only hope you did or will, James. (laughs) (laughs) But Besides, I think you ought to give Ariana credit. She can handle herself, which might be more than I can say for you, big guy, considering that time... Considering that time you went to that party with Barbara Gordon and you left wearing your Diet Dr. Pepper. Alas, I digress. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then he says that they say that Nightwing is a major player at Night's End. And and even afterward in a story, Chuck has affectionately nicknamed Robbins. So I thought that was a fun story. Let's see what the next one is. Here's another Here's another couple. And it's, it's like the opposite. Uh, this one guy thinks Ariana's the person that he should be with, and the next person thinks the opposite. He says, Dear Gorf, I'd like to talk about Robin and Spoiler, or rather Tim and Stephanie. From her first appearance, I knew that Ariana was not right for Tim. <laughs> it takes a special quality to be involved with the superhero. Iris Allen had it. Sue Dibney had it. Lois Lane has it. But Ariana does not have it. And neither does Chandra Ken Solving, but that's another letter. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> Stephanie does have it, whether she becomes a spoiler full-time or not. The relationship between Tim and Ariana is already on shaky ground. Tim has to lie to Ariana practically every time he sees her, and she is half convinced that Tim is seeing someone else. I really don't see a future together for these two. On the other hand, Tim won't have to lie to Stephanie. Stephanie would also understand part of what drives Tim to be Robin, having felt the need to stop her own father, a criminal. I realize that Tim is still young and will probably be involved in a lot of relationships as he grows, but ever since her first appearance, I felt that Tim and Stephanie would make a good couple. Uh, The response is, she's the kid is 14 and everyone's already pushing him to settle down. I think that Tim is bright enough to realize that it would not be the best idea to share his secret identity with the daughter of a bad guy, the Clue Master. Also, Tim knows that he has a responsibility to protect his secret identity, not only for his own sake, but for Batman's too. 
something about which Nightwing has not been awfully mindful since he left the nest. But as you said, Scott, that's another letter. Uh, let's see. <laughs> and this last one for uh, issue number four is is uh, pretty entertaining. Uh, Dear Robins, there's only so much I can say about the la- latest Robin issue, and that is, wow, the artwork keeps getting better and better, and Dixon's stories are the best. First, I'd like to set the record straight. I'm a girl, I'm 13, and I love reading comic books. So that automatically makes me strange, huh? My friends tell me I am, so I tell them to shove off. Plus, my brother thinks that Marvel comics are better than yours, so I tell him a few words. I'm unable to write them to you. (laughs) Back to the good stuff. I love what you've done with the character of Robin, making him independent and all, but letting him drive when he's 14, taking care of the entire city on his own, he signed on to be Batman's partner, not to be left out. You guys are making him grow too old too fast. I like this character for the childlike essence in him. Now you've taken that away. Now he's Mr. I-can-do-anything-I-want-to because I've got a hot car. (laughs) (laughs) Since since this is my first letter, I'll stop with the yelling here. When did Robin meet Spoiler Anarchy and the Electrocutioner? I'd really like to know when Ariana realizes she is dating the Boy Wonder, the guy who saved her in Cry of the Huntress. Well, thanks for listening, and keep up the great work. And that's Melissa King from Kernersville, North Carolina, which uh, has a pretty good seafood restaurant. Been there. (laughs) Oh, and P.S. How do you pronounce Ariana's last name? And the response is, Ariana's last name is Zershenka. Zershenka is how they say hmm. to pronounce it. So then they tell her uh, when Spoiler debuted and all that good stuff. And they also say, do not worry about Robin growing up too fast. I think it's a pretty fair bet that you will graduate from high school before he <laughs> even starts shaving regularly. <laughs> Uh, and then they say, oh, and thanks for putting your brother straight, but please watch your language. <laughs> if she was 13, that means she's 35 now. I wonder if she's still in the comics and stuff. Yeah, Yeah, I think that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. And so next we've got uh, some letters about Robin number five, and this comes out of Robin number nine. Hey, Ryan, before you start, yep. I don't have the issue in front of me. Is the letter column still called Robin, or have they given yes. it a name yet? There okay. is a letter in number eight. The first letter in number eight uh, says that uh, there's a PS. Why don't you title your letters page Bird Watching? And the response is that the ballot box is still open for the letters page's title. So uh, I think eventually what, they end up calling it Round Robin or something. Yeah. Uh, but whatever. I think that's a few issues from now. So, in issue nine, we get some letters about issue number five, and let's see, there's a few, oh, okay, here's a good one. Dear Gorf, which is, they're talking to, uh, what, Jordan B. Gorfinkel, the editor. Yeah. Um, Dear Gorf, I just finished reading issue number five of Robin, and what happened? At the end of number four, we have Robin and the Clue Master trapped in the back of a truck, no way out, and cement starting to pour in. And in number five, there's no mention of how they avoided drowning. Don't tell me that Chuck had a flashback to those old 50s serials, the ones where one week the guy's over the cliff in the car, and the next he wasn't even in the car. That was the only thing that bothered me. I like everything else. And please, more of the spoiler, but not as part of a love triangle. I think Tim has enough to worry about just trying to keep his face zip-free, not to mention the hero gig. (laughs) I would also like to see Tim helping Ari deal with the death of her father, as he knows all too well what it's like to lose a parent. Thus far... There has never been no mention of it as if it never happened. From Kimberly Owens in San Jose, California. And the only response they give is, Robin, close the window, Kimberly. (laughs) (laughs) Which I thought was awesome. Dear Bird Brains, 
Robin's <laughs> buried alive problem in Robin number five left me breathless. At least it allowed Tim to cement a good relationship. Oh, with oh. <laughs> but now onto some concrete criticism <laughs> before I plunge too, too deep into the puns. Uh, another author Chuck Dixon is no ordinary writer. Clue Master's caper was well designed and flawless, except for those conniving cutouts in the old money. Only a careful researcher would have known about this. How did Chuck figure out just how much air Robin and Clue Master would have in that enclosed armored car before the air ran out? Did he lock himself in an airtight closet one weekend while dreaming up the story <laughs> to find out? <laughs> the artwork was top-notch. Hasn't colorist Adrian Roy been around close to forever? And will everyone responsible for Robin please take a well-deserved bow? Thank you, Kevin Fisher. That's funny. <laughs> Not that he can do math to figure it out, but the idea, yeah. I'm going to lock myself. The only in way the to test this. Yeah. When I pass out near death, someone come in and get me and take note of the time so I can like, accurately yeah. write it. It's like yeah. that episode yeah. of the Big Bang Theory where Sheldon, Sheldon needs to get locked into the uh, freezer so he can do his experiments. And they're <laughs> like, uh, okay, shouldn't we just do them inside before we go outside? Like, oh, oh yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Talking yeah. about suffering for your craft. Man, I about passed and, uh, out writing, writing Robin number five. Whew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I, I like how they just assume that the all the math and stuff was just accurate. Absolutely as if it, it wasn't just made yeah. up numbers of, yeah, there's <laughs> five hours or six hours yeah. or, you know, yeah. Uh, their response is, what's wrong with being around close to forever? I hope I have uh, an, uh, as illustrious a career as Adrian Roy has had. Uh, ever the stickler for getting the details right, Chuck and ye old assistant editor turned to master physicist Ben Zion Spitz for the facts about Robin's air supply in that buried truck. I'd elaborate if I understood it. Otherwise, I'd be the mathematician and Ben C would be the comics guy. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hope that uh, they're actually being absolutely uh, <laughs> accurate about that explanation. Um, let's see. I've got two more good ones here. Thank, dear editors... Thank you ever so much for a Robin issue number five that had a bit of substance and a bit of the unexpected in it. Unexpected. Yeah, this issue had a bit of that, though. I'm desperately hoping you won't have Tim and Ariana dating other people just to get back at each other, especially if they eventually make up in the end. How cliched. I've got to admit that since Stephanie does not know who Robin is, it should make life interesting. The covers are a bit bland. No, really. Don't get me wrong, I'll be buying Robin every month, even without any covers. There is not enough shading and too many solid colors to appeal to new readers. The green, red, yellow, black of Tim's costume can change a bit in degree of color. The inside is fine. More angles in the penciling and inking, but who's going to see that if they don't like the cover and buy it? Looking forward to this year's annuals. Elseworlds, yes. Cat, no address supplied. And their response is, Regrettably, we had to push back the shipping date of Robin Annual Number 3 to early summer. It's taking a little longer than we expected to get Chuck's tale about a 14th century ninja Robin fighting for honor in feudal Japan just right. Probably because he was writing. <laughs> Chuck Dixon was writing like 50 titles. Yeah. yeah. And he's probably like, hmm, I think I could put Robin Annual Number 3 on the back burner. That doesn't matter. And he's uh, passed uh, out in a small box trying to figure <laughs> yeah, out which exactly. Yeah. Once he gets out of you know, the hospital. Once he gets his... out of the hospital, he's got to like time travel back to 14th century ninja ninja time. <laughs> uh, he's trying to get the story just right, but w- it will it will have been worth it uh, worth the wait. So stay tuned. <laughs> uh, and this last one is pretty funny. Dear Gorf, what is it with your name and drinks? 
In Batman number 500, when Bane was at the liquor warehouse looking for Venom, he smashed a case of J.B. Gorfinkel wine. And in Robin number four, the electrocutioner was drinking Gorf soda. That's from Peter M. in Ontario, Canada. Yeah, that's funny. And, and Gorf's uh, response is, uh, these pretzels are making me thirsty. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that's great. Which is a Seinfeld reference. Yes. One of my favorite lines. <laughs> these pretzels are making me thirsty, which is great because, you know, you can probably uh, open the episode with that because it's already got the great Seinfeld uh, <laughs> reference anyway. And done. <laughs> yeah. So if you've made it this far, and I forgot to do it, somebody please uh, call me out on Twitter. <laughs> it's going to be there because I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm like Kramer. First, it's the first Frasier Big Sugar uh, mix match will be our <laughs> opening title. Yes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah any, any place I see a Seinfeld reference in Robin, I think we, we must bring it up because of the show's namesake. Yes, definitely. Oh, this has been fun. Um, Ryan, again, thanks for uh, taking the journey with us and wrapping up uh, the uh, first uh, story arc for Robin. Uh, where can people find you out there if they kind of want to see your other uh, endeavors that you've got going online? Oh, uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, follow me at, at SMB underscore Ryan. Uh, I'm also a frequent uh, panelist on the Batman on Film podcast, which is uh, headlines the Batman Podcast Network, and you can find that show and this show and a bunch of other good shows uh, at uh, BatmanPodcastNetwork.com. Excellent. Uh, thanks for doing this. Um, we are still uh, discussing back and forth what we are doing as far as our rebirth coverage, since Tim is not going to be as predominant, um, are probably almost non-existent uh, for a while. So it'll probably be full steam ahead for uh, the 90s, and it'll kind of give uh, Terrence and I a little bit of a break without having to you know, try and keep the podcast current. And uh, when things kind of pop up, we can do maybe a rebirth, you know, encapsulated. Because I know all of us are still reading a lot of rebirth titles, so maybe we'll just add like a little rebirth uh, segment uh, before we discuss the 90s uh, issues as to kind of just kind of keep uh, everybody up on it. So uh, thanks for tuning in to this. Oh, hey, Rob. Yeah, go ahead. Can I just – I just want to say two things to close. Just real quick. Hey, Ryan, um, thanks yeah. for um, – why listen to the Batman on Film podcast all the time, but <laughs> thanks for all the time for, like, mentioning the everybody oh, yeah. Drake yes. and giving us a plug and saying some you know nice things about us on that. I, I always really appreciate you doing that. And then, yeah. Rob, don't don't think we didn't notice, especially Ashley will notice this when it came time to say Ariana, you you bailed out and just said Ari and didn't I... go for the whole <laughs> pronunciation. And for that transgression, you are officially kicked off the podcast. So oh, goodbye. Man. Yes, <laughs> man. I actually when I was getting ready to say it, I'm like, I think he called her Ari in the story and I'm just going to get out of saying it. I almost said Drazinsko, but then when the person that wrote the letter asked how to say it, I've even been saying her last name wrong. <laughs> you got yes. to question everything that you stood for this whole time. Yeah, I what you, am I? You are kicked off the podcast. What yes. am I? Jershenka. Ariana Jershenka. I know. Yeah. <laughs> what have I been doing with my life? <laughs> oh, that should open the show, too. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. uh, we're going to close the sad state of affairs on this episode of Rob Doesn't Know What the Heck He's Talking About podcast. On the behalf of Ryan Haas, Terrence O'Neill, this has been Reeb Ryers, and you've been listening to <laughs> Robin. Everyone loves something or other. I don't know. We'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Take care. Bye. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to Robin. Everyone loves the Drake comic podcast. This podcast has been brought to you by the BatmanUniverse.net. Tim Drake, Robin, and all related Batman characters are under copyright of DC Comics. This podcast is solely for your entertainment purposes. There is no money exchanging hands at any time for any reason. I can't even find a quarter underneath my keyboard. So no infringement is intended by the show. This also applies to all music and sound clips as well. So there should be no need for you to send Lex Luthor's lawyers after us. That would be greatly appreciated. Thanks. You can now get a hold of the show in a few different ways now. The most recent is on Twitter. We are at ELTD Podcast. You can also now get a hold of us via email. It only took me two years to get one. So if you want to email in, you can do so at robineltdpodcast at yahoo.com. Our Facebook page can be found at www.facebook.com slash everyone loves the Drake. And we are also on YouTube. In the search engine in YouTube, just type in Robin Everyone Loves the Drake and it'll take you to our YouTube page. And as always, you can message directly over at the Batman Universe website. So email, tweet, message us. We'd love to hear from you, and we will read your comments on the air. The show that you're listening to can be found a few different ways, through iTunes, Windows Media, and over at our host site, the Batman Universe. Leave us a review on iTunes if you listen there. It will help spread the word of the show. Make sure you head over to thebatmanuniverse.net, your home for all things Batman and Robin. Thanks for listening to the show and hearing why everyone loves the Drake. We will see you in a few weeks. Take care.